When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Flight Deck, an inside look at the New York Jets. I'm your host, Rich Zamini. I cover the Jets for ESPN. The Jets have lost three in a row. Four of their last five, five of their last seven. A five and two start, which sparked so much promise and optimism, has turned into a seven and seven freefall. I hate to say it, but the old December ghosts from seasons past Well, they're haunting this franchise again. The Jets have been competitive, but their last five losses all by one score. And pardon the cliche, folks, so close yet so far. A 20-17 crushing loss to the Detroit Lions at home. Going to talk about it in the second block with an old friend, an old, old friend, Joe Benigno from WFAN History and a lifetime Jets fan, of course. He's going to join us in the second block. I'm sure Joe will be uh, pretty understated and pretty mellow about what's going on with the Jets. Of course, we know that's going to be the exact opposite. He's always so passionate about the Jets. But let's talk about this Detroit loss. This one felt different. Felt different from Minnesota and Buffalo because the Jets weren't physically beaten this game by the better team just kind of think they were outsmarted on the field and on the sideline. And that's what makes this one a little more difficult to take. I think if you're a Jet fan, were they outcoached? Yeah, I think you can come to that conclusion. They were outcoached. This was not Josh Allen making a tremendous individual play or Justin Jefferson getting separation in the end zone for a touchdown. Those were great individual players who made plays to help beat the Jets. This was a game that the Jets had. They had and then they didn't. Fourth and inches. All they need is a stop there and they win the game. This so-called vaunted defense, a chance to close it out, put their stamp on the game. Let's talk about that play. We know how it ended, of course, the 51-yard touchdown to the tight end, Brock Wright. It's, It's a simple play. The Jets are in cover one. They have seven in the box. They have their nickel package on the field because Detroit has their three wide receivers on the field. St. Brown is in motion, and I think him going in motion from left to right really threw the Jets completely out of whack. It was a great play call by Detroit. Uh, Contrary to popular belief, it was not C.J. Mosley who was responsible for the tight end coverage. I know everybody saw him slamming his helmet on the sideline. That was out of general frustration. No one on the Jets is giving up who was responsible, but looking at the play, it seems fairly apparent that it was either Jordan Whitehead or Quincy Williams. Now, Quincy Williams was asked directly on Monday if he was responsible for right on the play, and he just uh, he basically punted. He didn't want to answer the question. I have to believe that if it was his guy, 
he would have owned up to it, showing some accountability. Uh, so that leads us to believe that it was Jordan Whitehead. Normally in a situation like that, in a straight man-to-man situation, it would be the strong safety on the tight end. The Jets just got completely fooled. It was embarrassing. It was embarrassing. It's also embarrassing that no one takes accountability. I mean, we get on Zach Wilson for showing no accountability after the New England game a month ago. And here you have a situation where no one steps up. I think that's a bad look. Um, The clock management, also a big issue there. Robert Sala, who I think has been pretty good all year when managing the clock in late-game situations. Well, not on this one. He made a mistake, and, you know, he owned up to it on Monday coming out and saying that after the Garrett Wilson pass, the 10-yarder, he should have called his first timeout there. The Jets were near midfield, 49 seconds left. He did not call timeout there. He let the clock run to 31 seconds, which was the next snap. They wasted 18 seconds. I think initially he was overthinking it. He was trying to beat a booth review. It was close whether Wilson made the first down. They got a favorable spot. He didn't want to give you know, the league a chance to review that play. So that's why he wanted to keep it going and not call timeout. And on Monday, he admitted in retrospect that was a mistake. He was overthinking it. He wished he could have that one back. Um, Look, you like the accountability from the coach. He demands it of his players, so I think it's only fair that he show it himself. He admitted he screwed up. Had he taken a timeout there, they would have had at least one more snap. And that one more snap could have won the game. So instead of a 58-yard field goal by Greg Zerline, which I do not blame him at all, Maybe, you know, maybe it's a 48-yard field goal and everything changes. So it's just mind-boggling to think the Jets had the ball basically at midfield with 31 seconds to go and three timeouts, and they have to settle for a 58-yard field goal, which was very difficult. Uh, It was an egregious clock management gaffe by Sala. You know, it, it was big. I mean, just as big as the fourth and one play in the defense, not living up to its reputation and failing to get the job done. You know, also on that last drive, Zach Wilson, he misses two open receivers, Berrios and Elijah Moore. The Berrios got behind the secondary. And by the way, Detroit secondary is terrible. I mean, the Jets have played two really bad secondaries in recent weeks, Chicago and Detroit. They took care of the Bears, but they could not take care of Detroit. And Zach Wilson missed those two open receivers. He hits one of them, maybe it changes the game. The offensive line was terrible in this game. They have absolutely come to a screeching halt. The running game was bad. Uh, They did not protect Wilson on that last drive. Uh, You know, so it's rough. I mean, the running game in this game, the Jets had minus 56 yards, rushing yards over expected. That was the second worst mark in the league for the season for the season the only team that had worse was jacksonville in week two versus indianapolis they had a few yards worse but the jets running game was just basically awful the defense like i said we've been hyping up this defense all year and look they they're a good defense but like i said in last week's podcast you can't be a great defense until you take the ball away The Jets have gone three straight games without a takeaway. The Jets have still not scored a defensive touchdown. So don't call them a great defense. They're just a good defense. Let's talk about Zach Wilson. He throws for 317 yards. 
a fun little fact on it. You know, he averaged over 14 air yards per completion. That was the most by any quarterback in the league with 15 or more completions in a game since Russell Wilson in 2012. But don't fall for those air yard stats and the 317-yard passing. This was not a good game by Zach Wilson. Uh, Some of the old issues that were supposedly going to be corrected during this quote-unquote reset, well, they surfaced again. You know, throwing off the back foot, a couple of bad decisions, some inaccurate short throws. I think in this game you saw a microcosm of who Zach Wilson is. You saw the arm talent on those long downfield throws. I mean, he was throwing downfield. You, You saw the arm strength, but, you know, he, he misfired on a lot of short throws. Now, here's a stat for you. His off-target rate in this game was 35.3%. That means 35.3 of his passes, of his attempts, were off-target. That's actually slightly higher than the infamous New England game in Foxborough, 35.0%. So he was way off-target on this, and... It was schoolyard. You could see he's at his best when he's playing schoolyard, running around trying to make plays. When he's in the pocket, he still does not play well within the structure of the offense. Stat, when he's throwing from inside the tackle box in this particular game, 13 for 29, 183 yards, one touchdown, one interception. 13 for 29 under 50% when he's throwing inside the tackle box. When he's outside the tackle box, different quarterback. Five for six, 134 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions. He has to learn to play within the structure of the offense. Look, he's not the reason they lost the game. That interception was costly. It cost him a field goal. Maybe that makes a difference in the game. I liked his post game performance in the press conference this is what we're reduced to now analyzing Zach Wilson's post-game performance but after the New England game at Gillette you know we kind of have to this he had all the right answers this time and he showed the proper amount of uh, of accountability uh, so this is this is going a weird way this season this has gone sideways um, you know the Jets three in a row they've lost three in a row believe it or not They never lost four in a row. As bad as last season was, they never lost four in a row. Now they're playing Thursday night against Jacksonville. Um, Like I said, they are four and five in one-score games. They've lost four straight in one-score games. It comes down to making a play or two in the fourth quarter, which they were doing early in the season. They are not doing it now, and it's a bad punt. It's bad coverage on a punt return. It's a penalty. It's a blown assignment on the fourth and one play. It's an interception. It's a missed throw. They're not playing smart football. They're not showing good situational awareness. That's why they're looking like more like last year's team than a playoff team, and that's why they're basically in a must-win situation now, having to run the table. And, uh, look, I was walking to the locker room after the game on Sunday. I passed... Woody Johnson, who was not happy. I saw a disgusted look on his face. He wanted to get out of that stadium so fast that he wasn't even waiting his family for his family. They were back at a golf cart waiting to be escorted out of the stadium. Woody was on foot, hoofing it outside the stadium, trying to get out of there, and uh, he didn't look happy, and I can't blame him. It's three losses in a row. 
The Jets now with a, only a slim chance of making the playoffs. Never thought this would happen, but this is where they are. They have so many things going wrong right now, and they got to get it fixed very, very quickly. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'd like to welcome in our guest this week. He has been a Jets fan since the Namath days. Of course, he's the legendary talk show host at WFAN, still doing some part-time uh, work with FAN. And unbeknownst to many, Joe and I actually were a teammate on the old Daily News live show on SNY <laughs> back, back in the 09, 08, that era, Football Crazy. Friday. Who could forget the Football Fridays? Joe and I were making fewest football predictions every Friday. And uh, Joe, it's great to see you. Joe Beningo, of course, thank you so much for joining the podcast. Yeah, thank you, Rich. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. So, Joe, let's just get right into it. Jets, you know, a heartbreaking loss yesterday. What bothers you most about yesterday's loss? Well, you know, you're going to ask me what bothers me most. Uh, yeah. I, mean, I got the defense. You know, I'm, I, I got to tell you, Rich, this game was lost by the defense. I don't want to hear about Zach, okay? Look, Mike White should be the quarterback. We'll get to that. That's the, to me, it's that. there's no question about it. Right. I'm tired of hearing about this defense. This defense now, five straight games. They've won in four since the, since the uh, bye. They forced one freaking turnover in five games. They never forced a turnover. How many times have we seen the de- the offense score and the defense give it right back? We saw the Minnesota game. They were down 20 to three. The defense couldn't get off the field in the first half. They gave up third down after third down. And then after the Jets cut the lead to 20 to 15, they let them walk right down the field for a touchdown for what turned out to be the game winning points. No turnovers, of course. In the Buffalo game, C.J. Mosley, how overrated is he? You know, I'm tired of hearing how good C.J. Mosley is. The guy never makes a big impact play. Yeah, he makes him for the other team like he did against Buffalo when he jumps offside on fourth down when everybody, everybody knows they're not going to run the play to try to draw him offside. Then, of course, they let him go right down the field for a touchdown to take the lead at the end of the half. And then after the Jets tied the game with that nice drive to start the uh, second half in Buffalo, of course, the defense lets them go right down the field again for a touchdown. Buffalo takes a 14-7 lead. They lose the game. No turnovers again. Yesterday, opening drive of the game, right down the field. You know, everybody's blaming the punter for, you know, the punt return. You know, no, no. That's on the defense. They drive right down the field. They get to the two-yard line. Okay, they stop them. But the offense has no field position. By the way, Zach missed Denzel Mims, which should have been at least to get him some room on that third down pass. Okay, right. but – Nevertheless, so now Braden Manny, you know, he's not any good. He's got no room to punt the ball, okay? So he lousy punt. They return him for a touchdown. To me, that's on the defense. The defense, no sacks. They had very little pressure all day on Jared Goff. I understand Quinn Williams didn't play. Still, they got like 10 guys on the defensive line that can get to the quarterback, okay? So they don't sack him. The Lions were able to run the football really all day. How many? They rushed for over 100 yards. How many times did the Lions uh, – Seven, eight yards without even anybody touching the guys. The holes were massive. And let's not forget, 
they had a touchdown call back the Lions on a running play. Two big holding penalties on that drive, which cost the Lions a touchdown. Let's not forget about that. And then, of course, at the end of it, here we go. How many times have I seen this? Not just this year, but forever. They take the lead, 17-13. The great defense, the elite defense, has a chance to close the game out. They First of all, they let them run, drive. How many third downs did they hit to get to that fourth and inches, whatever it was, at least two? All right. And then you leave the backup tight end wide freaking open. He walks in for a 50-yard touchdown. And I think Mosley was the guy that, that missed. I don't know if it was Quincy Williams, Mosley. Yeah, it wasn't Mosley. Okay. All right. Well, I ripped Mosley anyway in my podcast. The hell with okay. him because he's so freaking overrated. A nice job throwing his helmet against the bench at the end after they blew it. I'm tired about hearing about this defense, Rich. I don't want – Zach Wilson didn't cost him this game yesterday. Okay, the coach with his lousy time management didn't cost them a game, even though that didn't help. And we'll get to that. You know, nice job with the timeouts, Robin. And I, I, what he said after the game, I couldn't believe it. It made me want to vomit. But this defense is over freaking rated. You watch the Giants last night. They won that game because they forced two big turnovers. Every time, and thank you, by the way, with the way New England lost yesterday, I actually put a smile on my face. <laughs> the only smile I had all day was watching the watching the Patriots hand that game to the Raiders. But anyway, but every time I watch the Patriots, they're always forcing a turnover. Yesterday, they got a, an interception, a pick six by Duggar against Derek Carr. All the big-time defenses, you watch the 49ers, they're always taking the ball away. This team never forces a damn turnover. This defense is overrated, and I'm tired of hearing about how damn good they are, Rich. I really am. I, I agree with you. I think the truly great defenses take the ball away and they score on occasion. Right. The Jets That's have not exactly scored right. a defensive yep. touchdown this year. Nope. One of the few teams that haven't. However, yep. I disagree a little bit, Joe. They're playing with such a, a narrow margin for error because the offense doesn't score. So they get completely fooled on the fourth down play and it costs them a game. I mean, don't don't you think no, the offense see, has no, to... I, I don't, I, there's no excuse. I'm tired of it. You know, you could give me all the excuses about them you want. No. Every time that they did the offense, three games in a row, the offense puts the ball in the end zone and they give it right back. It's like the pitcher that gets three runs in the first inning and gives up four in the bottom of the inning. I'm tired. I don't want to hear about it. This is supposed to be the strength of the team, and it's there. They're not getting the job done. And it's, you know, everybody wants to talk about Wilson and the quarterback situation, whatever. Well, Wilson, he had the game won for him. Can the damn defense hold him? Please. Yeah, I thought Sala made some uh, oh. miscalculations on the last drive there, too. I mean, he missed some opportunities. seconds to go, Rich. You got to call timeout. After he hits Garrett Wilson for that first down, and I know they were, there was some – whether he made the first down or not, immediately, timeout, immediately. I think there was 40 seconds left. What are you doing? And then and then after the game, hold on. And I, I want Sala to be the guy because I'm tired of the revolving door of head coaches. I'm tired right. of it. But after the game – and the excuse is, well, I got to look at the tape. Maybe I should have called timeout there. I had three timeouts, which means I got plenty of time. What are you talking about? You know, are you going to use the timeout in the Jacksonville game that you that you left in your pocket? Give me a break. Inexcusable to go out of that game with one unused timeout. No question. No However, problem. I will say on the Wilson pass that you were referring to, I think he didn't want to call a timeout there to give the booth a chance to review it, whether it was a first down. So that's why he didn't use the timeout there. However, 18 seconds went off the clock right there. Yep. So yep. that was, you know, it was a critical miscalculation, critical. in my opinion. So Critical. It was a bad job by the coach. 
And we've yeah. seen this earlier in the year too, where he messes around with the timeouts. You know, he saves the time. No, you there's time you need it. There's you had three. Can you use one there? You still had two. They they might if he calls time out there, there's a good chance that they got a realistic shot. Cause I knew Zerline was not making that kick. There was no way. The way the game had gone, he wasn't making it. I know he made a 60 yarder a couple games ago. I knew he was not making this kick. Knew 60 it. yarder in the comfort of the, of the indoor stadium, right? right? In Minnesota. Right. In yeah. Minnesota. It was a little different uh, on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So where are where are you with this team, Joe? I mean, what were your preseason expectations going into the year? Winning season. Winning season. You expected them to come out yes. with at least nine wins. Yes. Okay, now, so here, here we are at seven and seven. Do you think they're going to get to nine? Uh, do I? Probably not. Not what I've seen. I, they got to get Mike White back at quarterback. I mean, I you know, can we find somebody? Can somebody clear this guy? Is there any chance he can play Thursday? Is there any chance, Mitch? It, it, I mean, I think there's a small chance. I wouldn't say it's likely. I mean, you ruled him out last Friday because of fractured ribs. I find it hard to believe like three or four days later that he'd be cleared. Uh, I do think he will play again this year, though. I, well, I he's got to play. If he, doesn't, if he doesn't play again, we got no shot. And they got to win out. They got a miracle yesterday from the Patriots. I mean, oh, my God. I mean, I could, I'm watching, I could not believe. Let's, let's talk about this game for a second. Because, first of all, the game-tying touchdown by Keelan Cole clearly had his foot out of bounds. And, yeah. they didn't, and they didn't overturn it. Finally, the referee stuck at the Belichick. It's long overdue. <laughs> and then that last play, what is – what? I forget who the last guy that lateraled was. But why would you even do that? You're going into overtime. It yeah. wasn't like the game – you were losing the game. That was – that was un, a Belichick team to do that was unbelievable. Yeah, could you imagine his mood after the game? And well, um, you know, he can. My heart's not bleeding. You know, go go cry in your uh, rings, okay, Bill? Go cry looking at your rings you got. So, so on the White Wilson issue, to you, it's clear cut. If if White no is healthy, he Mike plays. White's better. And Mike White, and I want to tell you this too, Rich. He's always been better. And they have, you know, and I'm going to blame, I don't know about you so much because I wasn't reading you, but a lot of people in the media just dismissed this guy after that game against Buffalo last year, okay? Uh, he was lucky against the Bengals and all it is. He even played well in the game against the Colts. He had a touchdown drive. He actually got hurt on the on the touchdown pass that he threw to tie the game against the Colts. And then he had a bad game against the Buffalo team that was much better than the Jets last year. Not even close. Not even, right. not even close. I think Buffalo was better last year than this year. But that's we'll see what happens with that. Nevertheless, okay. And then everybody dumped on. Ah, he's not any good. He's no good. Wilson's got. They had to justify playing Wilson. The only reason that Joe Flacco started this year in my mind over White is because they knew that they, that Flacco, no matter what, they could go back to Wilson. If White started the year and White was good, how do they go back to the, to Wilson? And now it's clear. I don't want to hear it anymore. Mike White is better. The team, the team loves the guy. The fan base loves the guy. Mike White's the quarterback. And you know what? I don't want to hear about the second pick in the draft. There's been a million high high quarterbacks, uh, you know, uh, high draft choice quarterbacks that have not made it in this league. First number one picks that have not made it in this league. And I don't want to hear it. Joe Douglas has done a terrific job with the draft. If he missed on Zach Wilson, who gives a damn? They got Mike White, and he's better, and he should be the quarterback. Hold on, hold on a second. I agree with you on pretty much everything you just said, except one thing. You do you think they deliberately kept White on the bench at the beginning of the year, knowing no that he was better than Flacco? No question. No, so no question saying, about it. So you're no, saying that Salah was willing to lose games? 
just to preserve Zach Wilson's yes. mental psyche? I absolutely think that. I absolutely I, think that. Yes. I, I, don't I, don't trust, think... I don't trust any of it, Rich. I don't trust any of that nonsense. Okay. And I'm even a little worried about it now. I'm a little worried about it now that they're not going to go back to this kid when he's definitely the better quarterback. Okay? Uh, I, I, I agree with you on that. I think there, there's some political stuff going on behind the nope. scenes that I think nope. is cause for concern. But no I think at the beginning of the year, White, Mike White did not have a good training camp. I mean, he even has admitted that. So okay. I think at the time, I'm going to disagree with you on that. However, I, right. he is clearly right. the better quarterback right now. And no the players, you, you just see the players gravitate toward him. And I, I think if he's healthy, he's going to play. I mean, if, if he didn't have the rib injury, I think he would have been starting the rest of the year. Well, I think that too. And I just pray that he comes back and that somehow they find a way. Look, it's a miracle that they're still in this thing. And it's very realistic if they win out that they can make it. The Patriots are not running the table. I mean, they got to play the Bengals. They got to play the Bills. And they got to play the Dolphins yet. They're not yeah. winning all three of those games. You know, the Chargers got a kind of an easy schedule, so they might run the table, although I'm still – I still don't know about them. But the bottom line is the Jets got to win three games. That's that's the bottom line. You know how this is going to end, right, Joe? It's going to be Jets-Dolphins. It'll probably be moved to Sunday night. You know, it'll be like winning you're in type scenario. Well, I'm, you know what? I'm signing for that right now, Rich, because I, right now, do I think they're beating the Jaguars? Jaguars are red hot. Look the at this Jaguars. team. They come back to beat Dallas yesterday. Okay, they're only a game out. Can, can we apply? Can we get into the AFC Southridge? Is that possible? Can we move the Jets? <laughs> I know. The, the I know. Titans. And look at the Jaguars. Who they beat? They beat Baltimore. They beat Dallas. Look at the teams they're beating. Come on. Yeah, and Tre Trevor Lawrence is growing up. I mean, you yep. can see him maturing yep. before our eyes. You know, and uh, so what? What do you do with Zach Wilson in the offseason, Joe? Do you, do you cut bait? Do you try to trade him for whatever yes. you can get? Yes, I trade him. I think he, I think there'll still be teams out. Look, the one thing that Zach can do, and, and this is an, let me go back to this too, because I don't think he's coached right either. This guy, his game, get me out of the pocket. And like he's he can't make plays in the pocket. I mean, he misses. I mean, how many passes? You know, he bounces that that one bounce he threw to Berrios on that little flare out of the backfield. He can't make right. that pass even on the game, the final drive of the game. He had Berrios open behind the defense. He had him open. He missed him by. He, he sailed right. it over his head, and then he had Elijah Moore open, slanting over the middle, and he missed him by a mile. It would have been 25, 30 yards on that play. He can't make that. He missed Wilson, Garrett Wilson on that one earlier. Wilson got ticked off about it. Okay, whatever. I guess they made nice after the game. Whatever. Wilson said some the right things about it. Garrett Wilson. Okay. He can't make that throw. But you get him out of the, out of the pocket into like a, a schoolyard-type play, and he, he makes those plays. And, they, and here's another thing with Wilson. They, he should be running the football. There should be designed runs for him, and they never have it. Never, never, never. There was one yesterday we ran for the first down. It was about a – I think it was a third and one, and he kind of – I couldn't believe it. He actually kind of ran for like three yards in the first down. But they have no design runs for this guy at all when the guy can run. Yeah. That's the best thing. He, he's a good athlete. So, right, yeah, right. I, I've wondered that all year. They called the read option there for him, and he did it well. And I, I think yeah. you can do that yeah. maybe three or four times a game. Of course. To pick up. And when they scored the touchdown, do you know that was the first time on, on the goal line? It was the first time all year that Lafleur used an extra offensive lineman in, like, a, a heavy package? It's the first I believe time it. It's like, I why not use heavy there? You know what? He's a terrible offensive coordinator, LaFleur. I mean, let, let, you know, let's be honest about it. 
He's too quick to throw the ball. He's too in a hurry to chuck the ball, right? And they didn't run the ball yesterday. The offensive line stunk yesterday. I mean, let's be real. They were terrible. And, and the one decent run they had all day, George Fant, of course, of course he does, gets called for a holding penalty, the one damn run all day that they had, all right? But he's too quick to throw the ball. How many times all year have I seen them get eight yards on first down and not get the first down because he's throwing the ball on second and two? I'm tired of seeing it, really. I mean, he makes me crazy. Uh, I'm not surprised that you said that about, you know, the uh, the extra tight end there to block. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, what can I say, Rich? I'm, I'm, I'm disgusted. I mean, really, they, they're fooling us again. They're sticking, up, they're sticking it up our rear end again over and over. And, I'm, look, I want this coach to be the guy. I'm tired of the revolving door every three years, every two years, every four years. We've got a new damn coach, okay? I. But I, there's things about this guy that bother me. He's too soft on the players. He never rips his players ever, ever. Come yeah. on. Give me a break. You know, you got to – sometimes you got to say, hey, the guy's not getting the job done, okay? Case closed. He never does it. And yesterday, his explanation for not using the timeout was ridiculous. I mean, it was ridiculous. Ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, he was second-guessing himself and kind of going in circles there. So that was not a good moment for him. So I, I just got to ask you, so Joe, you've been a Jet fan since what? Like the mid-60s? 1965. Lucky me. 65. So you caught uh, Namath I've coming in there. Yep. You see, so did you ever, obviously they cause so much agita for you. Have you ever thought of just going cold turkey and, and dropping the Jets and, and going to another Never. team? Or you put yourself through this? Never. Because... Because you know why, Rich? I put so you know I I've invested so much uh, you know emotionally um, uh, over the years in this team, even financially. Not that I go to every game now. I'm actually going to the game Thursday night, but you know I don't go to every game anymore. I'd rather watch it on TV, to be very honest. But I go to a couple games a year. You know all the different jerseys I have, and you could see behind me the different stuff I got. You know uh, this is my team more than any team. You know I mean more than the Mets, more than the Knicks, you know Rangers. This is the team. And, you know, I was 15 years old when they won the Super Bowl. I was at the game when they lost to the Chiefs in 69, the playoff game to Kansas City. I can still see it. I'm, I'll never forget walking out of the building that day. We lost that game 13-6. I could, I could give you the breakdown in that game like it was yesterday. Name it through three picks in the game. They got stopped on a goal line stand by the great Chief defense. By the way, one of the great, and they don't get enough credit, one of the great defenses in the history of the game is the 1969 Kansas City Chief defense. They got like six Hall of Famers on that defense. But that's, you know, for another day. But I remember walking out of Shea Stadium that day. If you would have told me as a 16-year-old kid in December of 1969, as I left Shea Stadium after that loss, if you would have told me that I would be uh, going on 70 years old, which I'll be next year, okay, and I still would have not seen this team in the Super Bowl, not even in it, I would have said, what? You got to be out of your mind. They've won two division titles since the since the merger. I mean, two division titles. They haven't had a they haven't had a home playoff game in twenty years. I mean, it's just I, I, it's it's insane. We haven't had a yeah. franchise quarterback since Namath. We had a couple. You know, Chad was good, but he always got hurt. Didn't have the right. arm strength. Vinny gave us a couple of really good years. You know, we had that real good year from Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, say whatever you want about Sanchez. He won four playoff games for me. No, no Jet quarterback has ever done that but him. He was better than he got credit for. He's another guy that was not coached correctly as far as I'm concerned. Uh, th there's a lot of things we could get into with all of that over the years. But if you would have told me that, Rich, I would have said, what are you kidding me? But yeah. I've invested too much. 
And what am I going to do? And then if they do win, what are you kidding me? I got to, I got to be there when they win. I want before I leave the earth. Okay. And, and I'm, <laughs> like I said, I'm going to be 70 years old. There's no going back. I'm an old man. There's no other way to say it. Okay. I'm an, I'm an old freaking guy. I got to see him win it. Well, before I leave this earth, I need to see them win one more Super Bowl. And I only pray that I get to see that. Well, I've been covering them for 34 years. Obviously, I've never covered them in a Super Bowl. A couple right. of close calls. I remember sitting in the in the press box at Mile High Stadium in 98. Of course, it was 99 by then. Yeah, They were leading. They were leading by, what was it, 10-point lead? Ten, I, tur ten I turned to my colleague, and I said, the Jets are going to the Super Bowl. And then we know what happened after that. Yep. You know, John Elway, blah, blah, blah. Well, know, I was more to John Elway. It would be nice also if, like, you know, fumbles. didn't get beat by uh, Ed McCaffrey. If Dave Meggett doesn't uh, not not uh, feel the kickoff, I mean, we could go. The fumbles in the game, Mark, keep yeah. by, and we could go on. And, you know, the, the other stiff receiver they had, what was his name? I can't remember his name. He was terrible. But uh, Dykes, whatever his name was. Hey, Alex Van Dyke. Alex Van Dyke, right. Oh, what if we pulled out a classic name right you know, there. Please, don't get me. Now you're getting me going here, Rich. Oh, my God. Ryan Yarborough is next on our list of uh, Ryan Yarborough. Oh, <laughs> we, could, we could pull out some some classics, but uh, uh, but anyway. So Joe, I know this was uh, probably not the greatest morning here to catch you, but after a tough loss, but I do appreciate your time, and I hope you know what you know. I'd love to see the Jets in a Super Bowl. People think I don't, but I do because of fans like you. Because that would be the best part of watching the Jets go to the Super Bowl is just right. to see the reaction for the lifetime diehard fans who finally get to experience that and so uh, moment, I hope you know what Rich can I one, one other thing too <clears throat> I want to say one other thing about this franchise which I think needs to be said the fact that they do not have a home field is you yeah. they have never even Shea Stadium was the Mets you know you go back to the 69 season the year after they won the Super Bowl they played their first six games on the road because the Mets were in the World Series so here they are the defending champions they play six games on a row before they even come back to play and that, at, at home, and that was in a 14-game season. Right. They have never had a home stadium. They don't have it now. That They can do. They can make it as green as they want. They could put the ring of honor up and all of that, and it's never going to be our home stadium. That has a, been a big problem with this franchise over the years and a, a big reason you know, for the lack of identity that this franchise has, and, and I, I have to throw that in there. By the way, MetLife Stadium stinks. The old Giant Stadium was 100% better than this place. 100%. Uh, I agree with you on everything. The, their home record is terrible, you know, yeah. and there's no home field advantage. The stadium is a, is a big air conditioning unit. That's what it looks like. It's and You know, I get to travel. I'm, I'm so lucky. I get to travel around and yeah. see all the other stadiums. I mean, U.S. Yeah. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis is was phenomenal. Yeah. You know, yeah. I could live there, you yeah. know, but – MetLife, not so much, you know, no. I think. And, and any stadium, any football stadium with chandeliers in it is not, I mean, what are we talking about here? Yeah, exactly. I agree wholeheartedly. Well, Joe, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I know you got a lot of media things going on, but I, I do appreciate it. You got your podcast and of course you do the FAN as well. And uh, I really thank you for catching up. Love your passion. Love your opinions. Um, keep cheering for the Jets one of these days, Joe, one of these days. Yeah, well, like I always tell my wife, make sure uh, when they win the Super Bowl, you put something on my grave to commemorate that they finally won it. Okay. All right. Well, I, I hope I'm here to see that, too. So we'll see. All right. All Thanks, right, Rich. Joe. Thanks, Joe. Take care. Thanks for having me.
it's Twitter time. I called for questions asking to ready, set, vent. And we do have some venting here. A lot of uh, a lot of anger coming out in these tweets this week, but I can appreciate that. I know it. I get it. Tough loss, three in a row. Here we go at Big Dogs, 13-18. What veteran quarterback can the Jets go after in a trade this year? Do you think they could get Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson, or Derek Carr? Um, Big Dogs, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't think they're going to trade for a veteran quarterback. Well, let me say this. It certainly won't be Russell Wilson. He's under contract to Denver. His contract is so massive that they can't possibly trade him. Lamar Jackson isn't going anywhere. Please, Jets fans, get off that bandwagon. They're not going to let him go. They'll franchise him if they can't sign him. Derek Carr, out of those three, is the most likely, although I still have doubts about whether Las Vegas would want to part with Derek Carr. The veteran quarterback to watch is Jimmy Garoppolo. He's going to be a free agent. He knows the Jets system. He knows the Jets coaches. It's kind of the perfect fit. Is he the greatest? No. Is he the most durable guy? No. But he's he's won a championship. He's won an NFC championship for the 49ers when Robert Sala was a defensive coordinator there. And so I think if they go that route, it would be Jimmy Garoppolo. Next question, at NHJetFan73. And the question is, two losses because of punts, returns for a touchdown, yet no changes. How is Braden Mann still on this team? It is a great question. I mean, Robert Sala prides himself on running a meritocracy. I mean, the guy benched the second overall pick at quarterback. Why is Mann still on the team? He is ranked 27th in the league in net average, 15th in gross. On Sunday, he had a horrific game for a punter. Not only a low punt on the return for a touchdown by an ex-Jet, by the way, Khalif Raymond. He had a 32 net punting average on Sunday with three touchbacks. It was horrible. Uh, he's not had a good year. They don't even use him on kickoffs anymore. I mean, he almost he slipped on the banana peel in that. Well, I can't even remember which game it was against, but uh, maybe it was the Buffalo game at home. He slipped on the opening kickoff. You know, now Zerline does it. I honestly believe had the Jets not been on a short week this week, they'd probably bring in some punters to audition. They still might anyway. Something has to be done. Braden Mann, I think the scholarship is over. Maybe next week coming off the mini-buy, they set up some workouts um, for the following week. At Mark Eisenberg, based on the 42nd clock this week against the Lions, it seemed like the Jets broke their huddle around 15 seconds or less and left little time for them to get set and execute their plays. Uh, do the Jets or the NFL keep stats on this? Not exactly when they break the huddle mark, but I do have some stats that show the pace of their offense. Now, this week with Zach Wilson at quarterback, the Jets averaged 27 seconds on the game clock between plays, but which is the exact same time that they averaged with Mike White as quarterback. However, in real time, they averaged a slow 42.6 seconds between plays, which was the sixth slowest in the league this week with Mike White at quarterback, it was 39.5 seconds. So you are correct, Mark. The offense was moving at a slower pace. 
I don't know the time about when they were breaking the huddle. I'd have to go through every play in the game and calculate that. Sorry, just don't have the time on a short week. But I hope those stats help illustrate uh, the question that you posed. Next one from Matt Paul, PDM1. I really don't see Mike White being cleared on a short week or Quinn and Williams for that matter. So assuming Zach starts again, what would be their quarterback plan for the last two games? Well, the latest information we have on Mike White was about midday on Monday. Robert Salas basically being noncommittal. Mike White going through some more tests. I agree with you, Paul. I think it's unlikely that he will be cleared. However, I wouldn't rule it out. And I think it's apparent, although Robert Sala didn't want to answer the question, I think it's apparent that if he does get cleared, Sala's preference is is White over Wilson. And I can't say I blame him. Mike White has been performing the position better than Zach Wilson. And, of course, we know how the team feels. So I think White is the preferred choice. But I do agree that it sounds like it would be difficult to get it done on a short week. As for Quinn and Williams, Robert Sala expressing optimism that uh, Williams will be going this week, uh, Thursday against Jacksonville. He said last week was 50-50. This week, it's greater than 50. His exact words were, the arrow is pointing up. Last week, I don't think there was a shot he was playing. But the Jets, they're into this. They're getting very Belichickian. You know, this whole gamesmanship thing, letting it drag out to Sunday morning. Um, I don't know what that accomplishes. But, you know, anyway, I do think he's got a better chance this week. But um, next question. And the next question, if I can get to it, is at Israel DMS. It's uh, lately a lot of people have been saying Sauce Gardner is getting away with uh, pass interference, which I do not agree with at all. What are your thoughts on this? And do you think he'll win Defensive Rookie of the Year? Uh, You know, it's not a penalty if they don't call it. That's what coaches will say. So, uh, So I would say no. I don't think he's been getting away with it. I think he's having a great year. He was not targeted once by the Detroit Lions. Think about that for a second. A rookie cornerback is not targeted once. He was frustrated. He wanted to make some plays. In fact, you know, he's, of course, he's from Detroit. He's getting a lot of calls from friends back home before the game, and he's telling them, I'm going to get a pick six. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And they don't throw the ball to him once, which, of course, is the ultimate sign of respect. I think he will win Defensive Rookie of the Year. Woolen is having a really good year with Seattle. I think Sauce has just been, you know, doesn't have the interceptions, but the down-to-down coverage has been superior to Woolen. And he he's not only the best rookie in the league on defense, he might be the best cornerback in the league, including everyone, veterans alike. Great year for Sauce Gardner. At Rob Ajo Ago 4. What are the Jets' realistic options for Zach Wilson this season? If he's on the roster, which I for next season, uh, pardon me, if he's on the roster next year, which I would expect, would they have a hard time enticing a good veteran, including Mike White, to sign, knowing the Jets are going to give Zach Wilson every chance to be the guy? Fascinating question. Don't know the answer right now. I'm not sure the Jets know the answer. You know, it's hard to cut bait. After two years, it really is $35 million guaranteed. Now, if they were to trade Zach Wilson, it's not the optimal cap situation. He's due to count about $9.5 million on next year's cap. 
if they trade him before June 1st, they'd actually have to pay more on the cap to not have him on the roster than to have him. The cap hit would be $11.5 million to trade him before June 1st as opposed to just having him at 9.5. Look, it's not impossible. They could still do that. Teams get around the cap all the time. It would really hurt them in their ability to sign other players. But if they really wanted to move on from Zach Wilson, they could do it. I think it's going to be the source of internal debate in the offseason. I think it would have to be a really hard task convincing Woody Johnson to give up to this player after two years. And um, I, I think, I don't know, this is just going to be a really fascinating decision. Like I said, I think Garoppolo could be in play. Uh, the Jets say they want to give Zach Wilson time. Robert Sala coming out Monday using his instant coffee analogy. Again, he's used that in the past, saying we live in an instant coffee world. People want results immediately. You have to give players time to develop. Well, okay, the instant coffee question is going to be put to the test in the offseason, and we'll see just how patient the Jets really are because this is a team that is ready to win now. And I assume they can improve the roster even more next offseason. And it all hinges on the quarterback. You know, they could be a seven-win team next year with bad quarterback play. Or they could be a legit contender if they get in a good quarterback. So it's going to be a, a, a just a tremendous decision they face in the offseason. This week, Jacksonville. Look, Jacksonville is on a roll. You know, they are they have defeated two really good teams in recent weeks. They just got done with the Cowboys. Um, before that, they beat Tennessee. They've also beaten Baltimore. They've won the two in a row. They've uh, really rebounded nicely from a two and six start. So they're six and eight right now. Hanging by a thread in the playoff race. Their offense is scoring. They've had 76 points in the last two games. We're witnessing Trevor Lawrence mature before our very eyes and i won't get into how the jets almost had him if it weren't for a braided man tackle in a certain game against la last well we don't want to go into all that but anyway uh yeah it's going to be a very tough game for the jets this week i'm going to withhold a prediction i don't even know who the quarterback's going to be so i'll save my prediction for game day i just know that this is a really tough game and i don't think this is a lock by any means jacksonville honestly is playing better than the Jets although it is very difficult for that Thursday night road team just with the travel and everything that goes into it on a short week so this is a toss-up game I'll wait till we hear the quarterback decision before I make my prediction it's must win time for the Jets if they drop to seven and eight they will take the long bye week to over the Christmas weekend to decide how they want to go on these on these last two games. It's quite possible if they are they won't be mathematically eliminated by losing, but they could be really in dire straits. I could see them going with Zach Wilson for the last two games uh, if they're basically out of contention and just deciding to get a better evaluation of him for the offseason. So so much hinging on this game. We will uh, talk about it next week. On Flight Deck, I want to thank our our guest, Joe Benigno, for coming on and sharing his thoughts on the Jets. Uh, it was great catching up with Joe. It had been a long time since we talked. And thanks to producer Jeff Scopin. I want to wish everyone a happy Hanukkah, Merry Christmas over the weekend, and enjoy Thursday's game. 
and we will talk to you next week on Flight Deck. <laughs>